Hi everyone, today I'm speaking with psychology doctor Madeline Ofina about intersecting spirituality and psychology. We just happened to be taking the same online course recently and immediately connected. Finding out about the amazing things she offers, I wanted to have her on the podcast to share much needed down-to-earth wisdom. Hello Yogi, welcome to my podcast. I'm Aiko and on this show we explore ways to put spiritual theory into sustainable practice. Welcome Madeline to my podcast. I'm very honored you accepted my invitation. Thank you. So Madeline is an educational and coach in psychology, but um, you kind of do, you kind of use psychology in a spiritual way, right? Your approach to psychology is very different from mm-hmm. the one we, we usually hear about. And that's why I was very attracted to you and your page. And of course you will find the, her website in the description below. And would you like to, to say something like what you offer and what's, what exactly you do? Yes. Uh- Thank you for having me on your show. Yeah, so I support spiritually and socially conscious humans and making the shift in their lives to a more soul-centered path. So I use mental health education, coaching, and reading groups. And when I say reading, I mean like book clubs, um, like personal Mm -hmm. development book clubs um, to kind of help humans and help people kind of change their lives, be more self-loving, under unlearn you know ways in which society has kind of taught us to be disconnected from each other and from the earth and kind of hone our intuition and internal voice to really embrace who we are embrace our own path and just to move forward because we often find ourselves stuck in like this the rat race right um i also host my own podcast which we we talked about but i also um kind of bring my unique blend of um, knowledge in psychology and knowledge in spirituality and my own spiritual gifts to really help people in a different way. So while it's not therapy, it's more education and kind of mentorship um, Mm. and really helping people take more ownership of their lives and move forward. Mm, That's super beautiful and very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I would like to know like how you you balance these two aspects because often maybe my mind and my emotion are telling me, oh, I want this, I want that, I need this, and I need that. But if you go like in the scientific aspect and you start seeing why you want this, why you have this desire, you think this, it's going to benefit you, then it might kind of shift in, in something that actually is not good for you. Mm. So how do you balance this? How, how someone can know what's good for themselves? Yeah, um, it's a difficult thing to balance. I think, mm. you know, there's this scientific side and there's also the spiritual side, but yeah. shamans were the first psychologists. Mm. And really they are... And, you know, they continue to do a lot of things that, you know, Western society might say would be psychology, but really just be 
uh, a method of like helping our community, right? So within you know, westernized psychology, there is, you know, very specific, very like science driven um, modalities, which are valid and important in their own ways. But just because something has yet to be scientifically proven, meaning just because somebody hasn't put it in a lab yet, doesn't mean that it doesn't work. It also doesn't mean that it's guaranteed to always work. And also, I mean, I can go on and on about research and, um, so, um, yeah, I can go on and on about it, so I'm not going to, but um, <laughs> finding balance between the two, I think, is um, something that I'm kind of constantly learning how to do, right? Because I, the one thing about me that I find really important is, you know, how to find that balance between and being coming the bridge, because we're all, we all have thoughts and we all have these things in our minds and trying to figure out what's best for us. But it's also kind of understanding and shedding all of these layers that we have that's telling us that we should be doing this or should be doing that, right? So yeah. I kind of take all of it together and working with people in a different, interesting way. Hmm. Hope that answers your question. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it does. But like for a person who, for example, doesn't have... Um, the possibility to have some interaction with some professionals like you or someone else, how those people can help themselves to go more inward? Mm. I think sitting with themselves. I mean, they're, they're with themselves already, right? Mm -hmm. So the question is how, you know, the question is how, how to go inward. It's like you're already there. You know, it's just giving yourself the space and removing the external distractions that are disconnecting you from yourself. Like you have, like you, if you are trying to identify who you are or kind of go through this process, it is a difficult and challenging process and yet rewarding. But the first step is to identify, is to like really sit with yourself, mm. like, on, like truly sit with yourself with it. Because you, ha you have these tools. So I would say if someone doesn't have the resources, is really to um, take a step back and think about what are the distractions that are keeping them from doing this work. And know that discomfort doesn't mean that it's a bad thing, right? The discomfort mm -hmm. is part of this process of looking at words and doing, you know, this kind of internal work. So people like to call shadow um, kind of looking at the shadow, you know, all of that, it's really a big part of it is spirit. It's like connecting within yourself. And people do that through meditation, right? People do that, do that through hikes and going on walks. That would be the initial first step. But, you know, some people do need that external guide, mentor. And for some people, they do need a therapist to help mm -hmm. them through that process. I see. For example, when we were talking about recording this episode, I shared with you some of my personal experiences and um, I'm going to do it like live, which is very much uh, out of my comfort zone. Mm -hmm. But for example, my former guru, I had uh, an Indian guru before 
And uh, he was very much um, everything for me. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I was living in Italy before and I just quit my job, left my house and my car, even my dog. And, um, and I just moved to India and I enter like in this new kind of life where I was just giving all my myself to. Mm. And I, I realized only after, like after three years, I discovered that he was sexually abusing some women. So I just want to, wanted to, to go away, but I was confused. Like for two months, I was at a friend of mine home and I was not going out. I was practically sleeping all day, waking up just for eat because she was waking me up and uh, very depressed. Like I thought internally, I thought I'm going to die from the pain I had. I thought no one on earth will ever understand me what I'm feeling now. Mm -hmm. And then I understood like after when I kind of went out from this fog that uh, I was so attracted to him because I was in search of my fatherly relation. He was treating me like like a daughter and I was seeing this love and just kind of being attracted and I would have done anything for him just to have this love, quote-unquote love. And um, because I don't have relationship with my um, with my dad, that's that was why. And then afterwards, like many of his disciples attacked me because they didn't believe it was true uh, or things like that. Like often is happening when rapes are are kind of spoken out, and some of those of his disciple actually get to know the truth. They acknowledge it, but then they decided to follow him anyway, the, my former guru. Mm-hmm. And I, I read because I was trying to find answers, like why this is happening. And then I read that there are, there are some kind of steps after a big trauma. Like the first step is like you understand and you acknowledge what is happening, uh, but if you don't find a solution, you you will end up giving the abuser a reason, a good reason why he did that or she did that. So then you have the acceptance again. So, oh no, but maybe he this or he that. And I felt like, fortunately, I didn't went to that second shifting step I could find a solution out but many are still there you know mm-hmm. so psychologically speaking how how could, could you explain these processes and how can people can be helped in this regard I mean we hear about abuses like over and over like it's something that unfortunately is everywhere so how how to accept this and unfold this in a constructive way? Yeah, it's a good question. You know, healing from abuse is a very yeah. um, individualized and challenging process. 
because mm-hmm. depending on, I mean, abuse can, abuse can come in many forms. And um, beyond that, you know, what you were talking about with your pain, with um, finding out um, this about him, you know, yeah. sometimes this physical pain that you experience or this um, emotional pain that you experience will manifest itself as physical pain. So you will physically hurt from like the emotional fallout and like the kind of bonds that we create with our parental figures, whether they be biological or not, are like really deep connections. And there is a long grieving process. If this someone died, even if they didn't die, you know what I mean? They are you know, mm-hmm. essentially no longer in your life and no longer a space. So there is a long grieving and hurtful process um, that, you know, we talk about the stages of grief. um, And, you know, there's a lot of process or steps within that. But to talk about healing from abuse, kind of shifting from grief to abuse, um, how do people do that? They do that slowly and gently. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. When there is the thing about abuse and abusers is that abusers are can be and i don't want to i don't like saying things like they are all are all are like this i don't want to say that but i what i want to say is that oftentimes abusers are charismatic with everybody else so mm-hmm. you know it creates a dynamic where everyone else is like well i don't see that why are you saying that that's happening? And that's what creates this isolation, right? For the people that are being abused or taken advantage of or whatever, right? So then it creates this dynamic where the person who is the victim in this scenario isn't believed, right? And, you know, really seen as if they are the problem and not the person that's harming them. Mm. So that can create a lot of psychological distress in that regard, right? So healing from that, right? But also healing from like the actual abuse. Like it's like there are layers of things that have to be addressed. And there are mm-hmm. layers upon layers of um, healing. And it's completely nonlinear process. And so the, the question is like, how do you do it? It's slowly mm-hmm. and gently and with an abundance of compassion. That's how you do it. It's, you know, deciding and saying, you know, I'm going to take this time I need to heal. And it can look like really retreating and staying in safe places because healing happens in safe environments. And if you are trying to heal or trying to recover from whatever happened to you, and yet you're not in a safe environment, it's not going to work because you have to be in a space where you let your nervous system sort of relax. Right. Mm -hmm. And you know what I'm talking about when you're in an environment where you're like kind of on guard, like you're afraid something's going to happen versus Mm -hmm. when you feel like you're safe and you can relax and let those walls down, those protectors down. Right. Um, And so, yeah, that's, that would be my answer to it. Just very slowly and gently. And, you know, if you can, with the guidance of a licensed professional who's trained to help within that modality, there's 
you know, there are so many um, things that can happen to a person after they've been, after a trauma, right? And regardless of whatever the trauma is and having uh, someone that you can rely on every week that feels like a safe space that is trained to help you so that you can do or say or whatever you need to say and have it be a safe space to do that is so important for the healing process in addition to other pieces. But that's, I always say that if, whenever I work with people, if I see in any way that they need therapy versus coaching, I always refer them to therapy because I think that it's important to acknowledge that um, therapy really does help and heal. Thank you. And another question, like I was kind of interested to know, how did you get there? Like, because as mentioned before, your approach to psychology is very special and different. So how did you get to that point where you are now? Mm. I think a few things. I have always been, a, there, there's always been um, growing up in my life I've always been, there's always been illness in my family, like physical illness, diabetes, um, and different types of illnesses. And so I got to see it, you know, I grew up in a lot of, um, you know, my grandfather had a stroke. And so I went to hospitals a lot and I got to see it from the patient's perspective and like their experience. And so I think I've always grew up seeing things from like the perspective of the person receiving the treatment. Mm. And then I went to college and then I realized like, oh, I think I want to do, I think I want to really want to help people. And I want to help really um, people who I feel really need the help. So I used to volunteer at homeless shelters. And so I sat in on a group and there was like this young boy who was like the age of a fifth grader, but like the reading comprehension of a kindergartner. And like, he was in the group and I just watched this therapist kind of lead it. Cause I was a volunteer, I was a student. So I was a volunteer and I was just kind of watching. And I watched this therapist like just create space for him where he opened up and talked about like what was going on in his home and all of this stuff. And I, wa and I thought to myself, like, I want to do that. Like I want to help. Mm -hmm. And so I, I had all these experiences where, you know, I have found myself in environments where I do help people um, in that regard, but also was very cognizant of, you know, I know what it's like to be on the other side and I want to make sure that we keep that into the forefront. So um, a lot of the work that I did in my clinical work was is focused on recognizing that, you know, it's not all about um, doctors knows best, right? Because everybody knows themselves the best and everybody's mm -hmm. so different and unique depending on where in the world you were raised, depending on, you know, your upbringing, depending on all of these factors. And so I decided over time so my, actually, my expertise is actually in changing mental health systems. So that's why my perspective so in, is so interesting because I help systems sort of shift in, really into like creating a model that is less about what is wrong with you and more about what are your strengths, 
How can we hone on that? How can we help you move forward? How can we help you create a community so that when you leave this clinic, when you leave this hospital, that you have somewhere to go, right? And you have some people to rely on because I believe healing happens in community, like finding community and staying in community. So um, I would say it was a series of things that have happened in my life mm. and having experience things personally having friends experience things and witnessing it and no and I don't know just that's just kind of the person I am I've always been an advocate I've always been somebody who's just really wants to be um supporting the voices of the people who were that were serving um so yeah and then also integrating my parts my spirituality into it and so that I think that's how I got to where I am today. It's just really integrating all of my parts and saying, this is who I am. Um, and I'm not going to be anybody else but who I am, right? Because the mm -hmm. best providers or the best um, coaches or whatever are the people who practice what they preach. And so I'm yeah. very much into embodying. So I'm bringing all of who I am in a way that is, you know, intentional and honest and ethical right and non-exploitative and so like how do we do that and yeah that's that's how i got here it's just my own development and my own witnessing and my own training so it's a little mm. bit of everything beautiful and why you target mainly women do you think we as a woman we need kind of more helping get to have some more self-esteem or something? Actually, it just sort of happened that way. <laughs> so it wasn't like too thought through. I just noticed that I was like, the more that I worked with people, the more that it was with um, women. But I actually feel like since we last spoke, that's really shifted. So now I'm shifting yeah. to like just more humans. So anybody who identifies who is a human, which is all of us, right? Yeah. Who feels like this is the right, that I'm the right fit. Um, mm. So I'm really open to everyone now. And I, and I think that's part of my evolution. Yes. Mm. Nice. Beautiful. So one last question, more practically speaking, like, what are your suggestions to someone who wants to go more inward, but, uh, but yeah, like, maybe it's not yet open to ask for help, or maybe you just want to, to do their process first by themselves. Mm -hmm. So how can we do this in a healthy way and not, like, following actually our mental blockages or boundaries that we create. Yeah. So when you say go inward, you mean just like kind of do their internal work? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like to find your, your real self, your true self. Mm. I would say that it's really hard to do it by yourself. Mm. That you do need to, you need other people. Um, for a lot of different ways. Yes, there is importance in solitude and you can do a lot of the work through, you know, reading books or, you know, exercising or whatever. And like, you know, all of the, the general answers people give, 
but ultimately if you really want to do the work it's also in relation to others and mm-hmm. i always caution people against kind of staying in their head and and just kind of mulling things over and isolating um but being in community and it doesn't have to be in a community space where you're like hey i'm here i'm going to go do my personal work it's more of like that person saying to themselves like i really like you know like i would ask yourself the question is what is the thing that i really want to do but i just feel like it's not possible like i just don't think that it's for me like i don't think i'm allowed to do it right there's often mm. we often have these rules for ourselves that say like yeah. i like this but i'm not allowed you know what i mean and like yeah. Yeah. it's time to like notice so if you were to do some individual stuff i would just start to pay attention to like your thoughts and and what it's telling you but it's really hard to do that in solitude it's way more obvious when you're connecting with somebody else and you're witnessing them and you're like wow like they don't they're thinking about things differently than i am or you're in community and people say like hey you know what about this and so they kind of push you forward in like really gentle ways and so i it's not that it's like going to a process group or doing anything intense like that but it's more of like saying to yourself i really want to do this one thing and i don't think i'm allowed to do it it's actually going out and doing it and seeing what comes from that so i can give you an example of um i really wanted to surf and mm-hmm. i in my head i'm like i could never do it you know i didn't live i lived in um I lived didn't live by the coast I like but I was like I I need to be able to do this and so I just said I'm just not allowed to do it I'm just not allowed to do it and like I started meeting all these people in my area who were surfing and they just like drove out like every couple weeks to do it and I'm like oh it I am allowed to do it it is possible and then you know now I live in San Diego <laughs> so yeah. that's changed but like so um for somebody who you know within themselves you know it's just you know educating yourself and noticing but it's also just giving yourself those like small steps forward those like mm. baby steps that feel a little bit risky but really isn't unsafe right it just feels like a little bit outside your comfort zone and do that and then with the intuition part you know our intuition is always leading us and guiding us right and there's always little nudges in one way or the other. So for if we start to kind of quiet and slow and listen to the nudges mm. um and see where they lead you, I think that might be something else that would be a good thing to do. Thank you. And I know I said it's the last question, but I actually have another one. It's <laughs> fine, yeah. Because you you spoke about community now and um I'm right now I'm in Costa Rica in a community with uh, like now we are 11 in total here and we just had a very long festival like one month festival with over 20 people and um you know sometimes in community it's very hard yes <laughs> like Otherwise I live with my husband and we get along very nicely and it's wonderful. But when I come here like several months every year then at the end of my staying I just realize like oh maybe I can't stand 
this person or I can't stand this attitude or this or that. But then I see like when I go home and like I take distance, I see like a kind of reflection of different sides of my myself, my shadows. And, and I acknowledge that, but at the same time, I'm not sure how to deal with. Mm. So what are your advices? In <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, community is tough, right? Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like community is not always like sunshine and rainbows. That's just sort of how things are. Um, you know, can you, can you rephrase the question just one more time? I just want to make sure I'm not. Um, yes. When I realized that the people outside in this community or the things that are happening are just somehow reflection uh, of my shadows or they just bring up something in me that I try to push down and uh, they just bring it up in some way. So how do I handle? Like if I get angry sometimes, for example, and afterwards I'm thinking and I th I think like there was really no need to be angry, you know, like how do I handle that moment or how do I make it that doesn't happen again or something like that? Yeah. Well, you know, in communities, there will always be, you know, moments where it's like rupture and repair, rupture and repair. Like that's how safety is built is like having these disagreements and being able to have that and hold the, dis the um, discomfort of the disagreement and still be able to eventually kind of reconnect. Um, and, you know, it's a lot of things that we, a community can do, right? It's also just culturally, how is the community connecting to each other, right? What, like, usually within communities, there are unspoken rules, right, that you need to navigate. It's like, yeah. how are you navigating that? And what you're saying in terms of like the reflection, right? People are our mirrors. So we are like responding to them and we're really kind of noticing what's happening within us. I would say I always see like really um, like breakups or um, these kind of moments where you feel like you're being activated as like little lessons and, you know, time to take some steps back and say like, okay, what exactly happened there and what exactly am I responding to and how am I feeling about it? Usually when we are in situations where, um, maybe we're noticing that our response is really disproportionate to like what's actually happening to us. It's a really good indication of like, it's really not about that other person. It's about what's yeah. happening within me. And so taking that time and saying, okay, what, what exactly is going on and having that time to reflect and repair. Practically speaking, you know, mm -hmm. there's always ways to improve communication. There are like specific, like, um, skills that are used for interpersonal effectiveness and how to communicate and knowing, you know, what are our goals in this interaction? Is my goal to get my point across? Is my goal to keep the relationship? Is my goal to be right? You know what I mean? Like, what is, what's my goal in here? And so like, when you're connecting with somebody else, that's really important. But when we're noticing that, like, how we're connecting is really a reflection of what's going on within us, that's when it's time to take a step back and do that personal work that we were talking about. 
And I always say, you don't know what you don't know. So like, you can't, you can't think your way out of things that you haven't realized about yourself yet. Right. Right. So that's why being with others is so helpful because they reflect back to you. So you're learning about yourself, but they also can give you that feedback, especially people that you feel safe with, right. About what's going on. And then, you know, again, working with somebody to kind of help you parse apart, especially if you have like a trauma history, you know, what is happening? Because usually if somebody, especially someone who has like an inner, like a trauma history, there is, it's a lot more complicated than just they hurt my feelings or they're, Mm -hmm. you know, they're doing this or that. It's usually much deeper and has to do with, um, may have to do with like what has happened to that person before, because ultimately when, people have had experienced trauma, there is a, a change in how they relate to others because there's a desire to be safe, right? Mm-hmm. And so sometimes interpersonally that can come across in many different ways that isn't as adaptive or isn't as helpful for that person to continue moving forward. So if that's the case, then getting that external help to get a more of a better sense of what's happening within them. Because um, sometimes it's a lot more complicated than you realize. Thank you. That's very helpful. And also interesting, like, there's so much behind everything, practically. Yes. And you can really work, do internal work, like, for anything that's happening to you every day. Yes. And I think it's a slippery slope. So you want to do the work but we also don't want to get stuck in it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it's not, um, I think of it as going to the gym, right? Like you want to go to the gym, but you don't want to go 24 hours a day, right? Like you're going to exhaust yourself. So it's doing this work, but also knowing and trying to maintain joy in this process. Cause there is joy mm-hmm. in healing and there's liberation in healing. And there mm-hmm. is um, uh, gaining self-trust in healing. Like this process Um, you know, we always sort of, it's funny. And I feel like there's two camps. There's like the love and light camp who like, you know, acts like there's nothing like no shadow. And then there's the camp that's like all shadow. And it's like, let's just focus on shadow. I think it's a balance. I think it's finding a balance in between and integrating like practices to keep us in the moment. Right. So you're in this community and you have these interactions with people, you know, it's, the the step of like regulating within yourself and like managing what's going on within you internally because that's what you have the most control over but also interpersonally how do we connect with that person and how to repair repair relationship if that is our goal um yeah but it's it's a bunch of moving parts it's a bunch of different people who are you know going Mm -hmm. to think and act the way that they do and so how do we also release and let go and still enjoy our moment and i always laugh and i talk to my friends about this that it's like it's tough work but if you can find like just bring yourself back into like okay but I'm here and I'm doing my best and like I think that is the best path forward mm. beautiful now I have a lot of work to do <laughs> everybody does <laughs> yeah but it's very very beautiful and interesting to hear these things, you know, from from some from people like you who actually had studied these things and 
practice, like interact with people on a daily basis. And also you have a very stunning Instagram account for whoever is interested. You really give nice tips there almost on a daily basis or something, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you have your own podcast. It's um, very, very interesting and beautiful to follow you and what you're doing. Yeah, I'm happy we get, <laughs> we get to know each other. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay, thank you. Do you have any like last words or nice uh, practical suggestions to give to whoever is listening to us? Yeah, um, my suggestion for everybody is to seek help that it is okay to ask for help. I feel like we're always kind of feeling like I need to do it on my own. I have to do it on my own, but like seeking help from the people in your life um, and not being afraid to ask for help, especially for adults. It's hard for adults to ask each other for help sometimes. And I think seeking help when you need it, and it doesn't only have to be professionals. I definitely think professionals should, if you feel like you need professional help, you should get it. But also just help from your friends and letting people know what's really going on with you versus Mm -hmm. like the um, kind of blanket statement. Not everybody's going to be able to rise to the occasion, but there are people who will and who want to. So, um, asking for help and reaching out when you need it would be my biggest suggestion that I give everybody. Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks a lot. And um, I hope to interview again. Yeah. Thanks a lot. And um, have a nice day and time in California. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I hope this episode fulfilled its purpose of inspiring you. If you like it, feel free to share it, give a review or a rating, subscribe. And if you have any question, please get in touch at aikoota.com.